Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated if you would like. Of course, and most obvious, it is Mother's Day. And we are here to honor our mothers. What, whatever is said today, whatever we say, I promise you will fall woefully short of what mothers truly mean to us. You may feel a little bit slighted. My wife was supposed to be speaking today, and uh, I was looking forward to that as well as others. And uh, I sent a good friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, Brother McGuire, I sent him a text yesterday and said that uh, my wife was supposed to speak today, and she has a case of laryngitis. And I sure hope that everybody would be quiet and they would adjust the sound good enough that everyone could hear her. <laughs> but apparently that's not how we're doing it. <laughs> and, um, but we're happy to be here and I'm glad that she's here. I really appreciate the fact that she's here. And I can concur with what Brother Bobby Gibson said a moment ago. I'm thankful for the, the mothering and nurturing uh, strengths and abilities of my wife and She's not just been a mother to our son and daughter-in-law, but she's been a mother and a grandmother of sorts to all the children in the church through the years. And um, proof of that is even when they're grown and gone, that they still stay in touch with her, and and, uh, we appreciate that very, very much. We're honored that you're here today, and thank you for coming. Those of you who have come to honor your mother, you've taken time out of your schedule to be here and be with them. And I'll promise you there's not a greater gift in all the world than your presence. Amen. Your very presence, your arm around her would mean more to her than a million dollars. Amen. Well, maybe. Um, (laughs) You can try both maybe then see which one. But uh, we are very thankful for the mothers. And I want to take just a few moments today to honor our mothers. Famed author uh, Irma Bombeck writes, She said, for the first four or five years I had children, I considered motherhood a temporary condition and not my life's calling. It was a time of my life set aside for exhaustion and for long hours, but indeed, this time would pass. Then one afternoon, with three kids in tow, I came out of a supermarket pushing a buggy with all four wheels going in the opposite direction. It was then when my toddler son got away from me Just outside of the door, he ran over to the machine holding bubble gum that that was filled in a glass dome. In a voice that would make glass shatter, he shouted, give me, give me, give me. I told him that I was going to give him what for if he didn't stop shouting and get in the car. As I physically tried to pry his body away from the bubble gum machine, he pulled the entire machine over. Glass and balls of bubble gum went everywhere in the parking lot. And by now, we have attracted a sizable audience. 
He said, I told him, if, she said, I told him, if you don't control your temper, you're going to be making license plate for the states for years to come. <laughs> he tried to stifle his sobs as he looked around at the staring crowd, and then he did something that she said, I will remember the rest of my life. In his helpless quest for comfort, he turned to the only one he trusted his emotions with, and that person was me. He threw his arms around my knees and held on for dear life. Remember, I had just humiliated him, chastised him, and berated him, but I was still all he had. And that single incident defined my role as a mother. I was going to forever be a major force in this child's life. Sometimes, she said, we forget how important stability is to a child. And then she concluded her comments by saying, I've always told mine, her children, the easiest part of being a mother is giving birth. The hardest part is showing up for it each day. Amen. I'm guessing there's an immeasurable amount of truth to that statement. And therefore, I would personally like to say thank you to every mother in this house for just showing up every day. Amen. While getting ready for Mother's Day this service, my mind went to several mothers that are in, that are in Scripture, and I'm sure all of them, uh, in their own right, would certainly deserve an honorable mention. But for some reason, my mind just kept going back to one particular mother that's in the Scripture, and uh, this mother remains nameless uh, for us. We just know her by a title given to her from her hometown, and that is the Shunammite woman, the Shunammite woman. She's introduced to us in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, and I want to read a few of these scriptures here today. I'll begin reading in verse number 8. The Bible says, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunam, where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread, and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said unto her, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Just think about that moment frozen in time, if you will. You have been so conscientious to care for us. You have been so kind to build a room and provide for us exactly what we need. So the question is posed, What can I do for you? What can I do for you? He says, he just suggests a couple of things. Would thou, wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? Is there, can I put in a good word for you? Can I help uh, enhance your, uh, your reputation in our community? What can, what can I do? And, and she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he called, and he said, Call her. 
And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And so if I can just for a moment take this, this story and from it I want to honor, uh, at least with the help of the Lord, attempt to honor the ladies that are and the mothers that are present here today. The successor of Elijah was a man by the name of Elisha. And it was Elisha that went to this place called Shunem. Shunem was about 20 miles northwest of Elisha's home and about 25 miles between Shunem and Mount Carmel. And so it is said that the average traveler could cover about 15 to 20 miles per foot a day. And so it would seem that Shunem would be about the halfway point for Elisha when he was on his way to Mount Carmel where he would go uh, there to pray and meditate and things of that nature. And so Shunem became just the most common stopping off point. And so that's how these two met. But I believe, I believe the scripture when it says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I believe God has divine appointments for each and every one of us and I think this was not a happenstance, but I believe we are considering a divine appointment right here in Scripture. Amen. In verse number 9, the Bible says that, that of this great woman, that she perceived that Elijah, or Elisha rather, to be a man of God. And uh, so they not only welcomed him into their home, but they prepared a place for him to rest and a place that they would be able to serve him. And so it was on the wings of her spirit of servitude that the prophet Elijah decided to bless her and her husband, her family. We just want to do something that we can give back. But it all was born out of a servant spirit. In verse number 14, Elisha asked the, the Shunammite woman, what can we do for you? What, what is it that we could offer you in return and in exchange? And she said something very interesting. She said, I dwell among my own people. It's a little bit hard for us to reconcile that in today's language. Sounds a little bit odd in today's world, but it has a vast meaning. And if we were to, to put that in our vernacular today, what she is simply saying is this, I am perfectly satisfied and I am perfectly content in my lot in life. I have friends, I have family, I have a home. She is saying, what more could I ask for? I have everything that I possibly need. Now there's not many people that are cut out of that kind of fabric because no matter what you have and no matter how many needs are in your life in your life that are already met, if someone that had the power to do more says, I would like to do more, there's not many people that would acquiesce and just say, I'm, I'm good, everything is well. And so I think this speaks uh, a lot about uh, volumes, in fact, about the, the character of this lady. And so when Elisha could not get a more definitive answer from her, he turns to his servant and he asks him, he said, what, what can we do for you? And so by way of observation, the servant of Elisha pointed out that she had no child and that her husband was old. So therefore the window of opportunity was closing ever so slightly day by day by day by day. And so their prayer was answered and, and they said, we're going to we're going, to, we're going to pray and the Lord is going to bless your home with a child. And that brings us really to the heart of our message today. In order to find out, I think, maybe who this nameless woman of Shunem is, let's first consider a few things that she isn't. 
I think it's impressive. It's an impressive list, in my opinion. Apparently, this is not a woman from royal blood, and so she's a very common lady. Nothing indicates that she had great wealth. Nothing indicates that she had any social status at all because it was Elisha that was offering to give her a, a good word, and so she didn't have that on her own. Nothing indicates that she had uh, wealth. There's no mention of her beauty, and there, there, there is mention of uh, of beauty, and like in Sarah and uh, Bathsheba and Esther, and there is even mention when there is the absence of beauty and that of Leah. And so this is a very common lady, a very common lady. So she must have been pretty average. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with average. Amen. Amen. She, was, she wasn't heroic like Esther. Esther was that voice that saved her people. She wasn't a great crusader like the woman that we find, the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. She was a very, very common person. She wasn't a great leader or the Bible makes no mention of her being a great judge like that of Deborah. And so what is it then that brings this woman to the center and the heart of this particular service today? I think while she may not have had some of the endearing qualities that other ladies in Scripture had, there were some outstanding things about her. And I believe the Bible gives a, maybe a brief but a pretty, um, a pretty good snapshot of her character. And I think these same qualities are found present in the lives of the mothers that are here in this church today. Amen. I'm sure that you could come up with your own list and you can add to that as you would like, but I'll just give you a few of my observations today. Amen. The characteristics I believe that is found in this mother are also characteristics that should be found within the church because I believe scripturally and spiritually that the church is the mother and that is validated in scripture. In Galatians 4 and 26, Paul likened the church to a mother and he said that Jerusalem was the mother of us all and I'm thankful today for our mothers and I'm also thankful for the church that is the mother of us all. Amen. So I want to comparatively look at these attributes, if you, if you will. I believe that a mother, a mother at heart, a true mother, and, and I, I want to perhaps run a disclaimer here. I, I understand that the, the headlines announced to us that uh, on a very consistent basis some unthinkable things that mothers do. I'm not talking, I'm talking about real mothers. Amen. Real, normal mothers. Amen. I believe that a real mother is just that eternal optimist. A real mother. A real mother always has hope. A real mother beyond, believes beyond any boundary that may ever be set in the heart of any person. At, at, at the first mention of possibly having a child, she says very frankly to Elisha, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie under thy handmaid. I don't think she was trying to be disrespectful to the prophet of God at all, but I believe that this is a clear indication that this is a sensitive subject. We've talked about this a whole lot. This is at the heart of who I am, and uh, I think it would be very easy for any mother here to imagine that position or station in life. But here was a woman that had hope of a child, and so that's why. Perhaps it was such a sensitive matter in her eyes. What she was really saying is this, is don't play with me about this. 
This is not a joking matter at all. I believe that a true mother is always filled with hope, always. From the very moment that she feels life in her womb, she feels hope for that child that is to be. And when it's time to give birth to that child, she has that hope. She has hope as a child grows. She has dreams and aspirations. And I'm not talking about living vicariously through their children. I don't, I'm not talking about that. But just whatever that, that life would do for them or wherever they would go in life, she has hope that they're going to be a success at that. When a child starts school, she has hope that he's going to, he and she are going to do well in their academic studies and that they are going to make something of themselves. There is, there is that undying ember of hope in the life of a mother that is going to press beyond anything else. I'm thankful for the balance of mothers and fathers. I really uh, uh, do believe that and I think you understand and agree with me. And it's not Father's Day, but let, allow me for just a moment to contrast the difference between mothers and fathers are just a few, but I'm thankful for that for, for mothers that continue to press on perhaps when a father would move on to other things. They just keep digging because of the hope that is in their heart. Amen. I'm thankful for a, a mother's love that just keeps believing. Sometimes when facts prove otherwise, but they just keep believing. Amen. And so when that child grows to be a young adult and marries there is hope. Uh, we have shared this, my wife and I both. My wife has shared it first publicly that for many, many years, even when our son was just a very small child, she began to pray a very specific prayer over him. And she was praying for his companion. And so long before we were introduced to Sarah, uh, my wife feels like that she had already met her in the spirit, so to speak, because she had been praying for her because there was hope that that was going to come. And I'm thankful for those prayers. And so what a tremendous lesson can uh, be for all of us in here. I think that in, in the heart of every child, in the heart of every child of God, maybe be, to be more specific, that we should have as a church that undying hope that we come and come into the presence of the Lord and we come with faith believing. I don't feel a spirit of drudgery here today. If you have one, you're hiding it well. But I believe that we came here in the spirit of hope. Amen. We're coming here believing that God can and that he will move in our midst and in this service today. And so we came here this morning with hope that the spirit of God would move. Hope is the expectation of something good for the future. And I don't ever want to lose my hope because I've met people that have lost their hope. That's a very sad and a tragic thing. And so I want to hold on to hope. I'm thankful for the powerful lyric that's found in the old hymn that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The chorus says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And so I'm thankful for the hope that I have in the spirit of God. Time and circumstances often whittle away and at least try to chip away our hope. Anybody here ever had your hope challenge? Amen. I'm going to tell you life can be a very bumpy can be a very bumpy journey sometimes and it can steal our hope. But I realize at the end of the day I've got to hold on to hope. I've got to hope beyond the situation 
And I'm thankful for the mother's tenacity that teaches all of us those life lessons of how to hold on. Simon Peter says, his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Titus 2 and 13 penned these words, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And so I want to appeal to everyone here today and most specifically the mothers to not lose hope. When children turn left instead of turning right, when they are perhaps on a wayward path, don't lose hope for their future. When it seems as though their trajectory is set in the wrong way, somehow or another, mom, don't lose hope. Amen. Don't lose hope that God can do a work beyond anything we could dare dream or imagine. A true mother, I believe, is a constant source of comfort. Amen. I know there's a little awkward time in our lives whenever we want to be independent and we don't want to be mama's boy or mama's girl, but I'm going to tell you that didn't last long for me. I was, a, I was close to my mother, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm thankful for a mother's consistent vein of comfort. Amen. The Bible says in verse number 18, when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his, fa- to his father to the reapers. A very tragic event is about to unfold. In verses 19 and 20, he said to my, his father, my head, my head, And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. Carry him to his mother. He wasn't shifting responsibility. He wasn't trying to dodge a bullet. But he himself recognized that there's going to be comfort in the arms of a a mother can do more in this situation than I would ever be able to do. And so when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees until noon and then died. As the son was working in the field, something obviously went wrong, but he was immediately taken to the safest place on earth, (laughs) his mother's arms. A mother indeed and should be a source of comfort. I mentioned it a moment ago, it it is sad to think about that some mothers are not that comfort. As a matter of fact, they're in some cases a source of pain instead. And it's hard to reconcile that in my mind. But statistics are everywhere present to prove those facts. However, great mothers are a source of comfort. And they don't just comfort toddlers and the infants, but they comfort us all the days of our life. Amen. I could pop into my mom's house completely unannounced, and in 17 minutes we could be eating breakfast. All from scratch. Amen. That's just how mamas work. Amen. And so when we are having Justin and Sarah over at our house, it's going to be whatever they want to have. Because that's just how mothers operate. Amen. And so thank God for the mother. But how does the church liken to that? I believe that we ought to always be a source of comfort. I believe that no matter who someone is, when they come into the house of God, And I'll be very specific. When they come into this house of God, they ought to feel comfort. They ought to feel peace. They ought to feel love. There should be a measure of safety that is felt when they walk in the doors of this church if we are being what the church has been called to be. 
Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. There's part of the role of the church to comfort and to strengthen and, and to support. In, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18, the Bible says, therefore comfort one another with these words. There should be comfort found in the house of God. If we have ever walked through dark seasons and deep valleys of our life and realized the sustaining force that the prayers of the church really are. I mentioned this, I think Wednesday night after church to someone that I had heard people say, I felt the prayers of people around me. I heard that statement long before I understood that statement. But I have lived long enough to be able to say for myself, I have felt the sustaining prayers of people around me that were just lifting me and carrying me and holding me and comforting me. Amen. And so I'm thankful for that. So I believe that as a church, we should just absolutely be there. Amen. Whatever that means, we should just be there. When somebody needs comforting, they should be able to find that measure of comfort within the context of the church. I believe that a real mother, a true mother, is a very faithful individual. The Bible says in verse number 22, and she called unto her, her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. Now, the Bible says that her husband answers her in verse number 23. He said, wherefore without go to him today, it is neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. And I don't want to try to paint her husband or men or fathers in a negative light. But I believe that this father, this well-intentioned father, was just caught in the same trap that many of us men and many of us fathers get caught in. And that's the trap of practicality. It's a very, very logical response. He wasn't trying to be rude or unkind or he wasn't trying to squelch her faith or any of the above, but he said, How are, you don't even know where he is. He made a practical point. It's not the new moon, it's nor the Sabbath. You don't know where he would be at this particular time. Apparently, those two times would have him in certain locations and she would be able to pinpoint him better. But the Bible says that she said, just go get the lad and, 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 and get me a ride. And she said to the, to the drivers, he said, spare not on my account. <laughs> don't slow down for me. Don't worry about the bumps. Don't worry about the heat. Don't, if you don't hear anything from me, you just keep driving. You just keep driving. Amen. I, I can't imagine uh, the unfolding events of verse number 20 that this young man, her, her not only her child, her only child, but a child of promise, absolutely passed away in his mother's lap. As a parent, that would be hard to imagine, to fathom such a thing, the pain of losing a child. And I know there are people here today, and I speak with great deference with those, to those who have walked through the, that very valley. I mean, here is a child that she not only longed for, but a child that she had waited for, and a child that she loved with all of her heart, a child that she was comforting with every fiber of her body. And so now we look at that reaction and the reaction time. She immediately looked for a solution. She ran to the prophet Elisha and, uh, and nothing could dissuade her otherwise. Amen. I believe that that is a characteristic that should be found in every mother and I believe that is a characteristic that we ought to find in the mother of us all, in the church. Amen. A faithful mother. 
a mother that will never leave someone in need, never leave a child in need. My wife has said many times through the years, when you have a child, you will never sleep another night through. <laughs> and, and it's not just when they're 12 or until they're 16 or until they're 18, but there's always gonna be something in the heart of a mother that is faithful, that is tending, that is mindful. Amen. In the heart of every mother. A mother's making a special dish and she's already thinking, I'm gonna add a little bit extra here because... I know this is their favorite dish. That's just the faithfulness of a mother. To be faithful means to make faith a living reality in our life. And so we should be faithful enough, faithful enough, that if we were to be accused of being faithful, that somebody could find enough evidence against us to charge us guilty. Faithful. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men and be strong. I'm going to ask our musicians, if you will, to make your way back to the platform. And as I conclude some of my remarks this morning, I will just say that we should ask ourselves the same question. Not just the mothers here present, but the church should ask ourselves, are we faithful? Are we loyal? Would we keep pressing and pushing when she was really facing a lifeless body? But would you just say, I'm going to the prophet of God anyway. I'm going to lay him here. He'll be all right because I'm on my way to find the answer. You see, it would be very, very easy to run off the rails when something's going wrong. It would have been very, very easy to, for her to handle this completely different. But she said, I'm going to the, to the house of God, to the man of God. And so it's amazing then when we look at this mother and then we look at her attributes and the care and the concern that she has for her child and then when we look at those same attributes in the life of Christ, we find them to be identically the same. I'm thankful for the hope that the Lord has in all of us. I'll just be specific. I'm thankful for the hope that the Lord had in me. Amen. The Bible says that he is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slack, slackness. But he is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm gonna tell you, if it hadn't have been for the hopeful nature of the Lord, I wouldn't be standing behind this pulpit today. But when I said no, and when I was walking away, and when I was being stubborn and indifferent, he just kept having hope. He saw not what I was. He saw not what you were, but what we could be. I'm thankful for the comfort that I find in the Lord. He said emphatically, cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you. Amen. He is faithful. David said, thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. He said in the 36th Psalm, thy faithfulness reaches to the skies. And so today we pause and we say thank you to all of our mothers because you mean something to us. You're not just a cook. You're not just a seamstress. You're not just a house cleaner. You're not, you're not all of those things, any one of those things. You're all in that, all of that and more because all of those things could be hired out. You could find hands to do that without a heart attached. But a mother does all that with her hands and her heart. Amen, I'm thankful for mothers 
you are truly change makers in our world. I know it has given all of us some time to reflect and if you are, have the privilege of being with your mother today or having access to your mother today, what a, what a tremendous honor and privilege that is. And then there are those of us today who have lost our mothers and uh, we may have lost them physically, we may have lost their physical presence, but they have left a forever stamp, a forever mark in our life and we will never be the same because of that. Aren't you thankful for your mom? Amen. Amen. And so we pray and ask the Lord to somehow touch us and help us not to just be thankful every now and then, but to be thankful every day for the wonderful people that God has placed in our lives. Those mothers who are making a difference right now, right now, making a difference. Amen. I'm going to ask This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.